about um, a wise woman's world. And on page 762 in these Bibles here in the pews is that classic and and, uh, really iconic passage of Scripture that we also know so well, the 31st chapter of Proverbs. And I think it's so ironic today if we could step away from maybe a kind of a broader view in our culture today to think about what an irony it is that that um, the real the real God-given value and blessing of being a woman is so clear in scripture as we see we'll see here if you find page 762 one just one classic example of the of the poetic expressions of this and yet in our culture, in so many ways, real femininity is under assault. You might say that in our culture today, the value and the blessing of being a woman has, has been distorted by either attacks of disrespect that are so grievous on one end, and then the human overreaction that causes some to be uh, very uh, shrill and harsh in their in their demands for recognition of their rights in other ways, and then this crazy cultural trend that we see happening now that's um, referred to as gender fluidity, and that's not the topic of today. So don't get nervous. We're not going after a hot potato today. I may do that on another Sunday. But it's striking to me that there's an irony when you open Proverbs 31 that, that um, sometimes a false charge against Christians and the Judeo-Christian ethic has been so that somehow that, uh, that it um, is anti-woman. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, the, the real authentic power of God's word in expressing femininity is so profound, so uplifting, so ennobling that um, it would it would really be a tragedy for anyone to think even for a split second that uh, that womanhood or femininity needs the um, the, the 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 kind of shrill um, conflict and uh, humanistic demands that seem to be uh, tearing at the heart of our culture. It was epitomized in 1985 by a group that stood out on the streets and shrieked in loud voices, we're feminist, we're fierce, and we're in your face. (laughs) And so you have this every aspect of that kind of of, um, characteristic across the culture uh, all the way to this current fight that's going on now. But when you turn to the Bible, here's the beautiful thing. Throughout Scripture, we see so many examples of of, um, not just the beauty of motherhood, but the beauty of womanhood itself. And it's striking that in a passage of Scripture written a thousand years before the birth of Jesus, think think of it in a time in which many might think of the culture as being so radically different uh, from ours, of course it was, uh, but might make the mistake of missing the way 
that God designed the beautiful gift of femininity. And when you find that on page 762, we'll read these familiar words together, beginning at verse 10. And if we read it all, there's about 21 specific statements of action and ethic and beauty that are ascribed to this virtuous woman. But let's just read verses 10 through 17 aloud together. What, who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. And then go down to the 24th verse and read 24 through 28. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Well, here's a what may be not only poetic, poetically beautiful, but descriptive of a, of a vast array of choices for expression of the gifts of God within a woman's life. And what is really striking is that in the book of Proverbs, compiled a millennium before the birth of Jesus, the collection of pithy sayings of wisdom that were drawn from all the various sources that Solomon's scribes worked with in their arduous work of compiling these gems of wisdom, the entire book of Proverbs concludes on the very note that I have in my heart for Mother's Day of 2022, and that is to elevate and celebrate the gift of women. Now, one of the first things that comes through loud and clear in this passage is that um, there is a, an eye for the future. There is a bold eye for making the future brighter. Moms have a way of seeing. Now, we all had that joke as we were growing up, and probably every mom here has heard it, that uh, a mom has eyes in the back of her head. Uh, we all know what that means. But also, not only are moms equipped with, by God with eyes in the backs of their heads so that they could see things that kids didn't think they saw, but also God has equipped women with some capacity for foresight that is celebrated again in this passage. And I would caution everybody first not to let the idealism of Proverbs 31 um, hold us back from really delving into the beauty of these expressions. It's easy, I think, maybe for women who might read this or somebody and, and think, well, 
you know, there are times when I'm eating the bread of idleness. I don't know about you. Or um, I'm not necessarily rising quite that early. You know, there's, there's a tendency to uh, compare with some of these idealistic statements. But the purpose of the passage is not to paint a picture of, of one ideal woman. The purpose of the passage is to really draw together many of the virtues and expressions of gifting that are a part of a wide universe of potential that all women can enjoy and know not only enjoy it, but know that the enjoyment of it is from God. That God is the one who designed you as a woman for productivity, for goals in your heart, for that which you see, that which is part of your vision. It's summarized in a different proverb in uh, Proverbs 14.1 where the Bible says the wise woman builds her house. And I would just draw from that today a, a, a simple uh, application that wise women build. Wise women are building. They're aiming for something in their heart that may at different age levels maybe applies for the moms of younger children to uh, the next phase for my little one or little ones or young people, um, for those moms that are in their latter years to see a different vision for the family, to see something different for your horizon. And all along the way, the intriguing thing about Proverbs 14 and Proverbs 31 is that it gives us a composite portrait of simultaneously loving life, savoring the good things of life, cherishing the gifts of God, loving our families, and pursuing all types of business and um, career and, and um, personal gifting, vocational expressions, and ministry and mission. In other words, you see Proverbs 31 and Proverbs 14 as, as a, a kind of a glimpse into the magnificent design of God for women in various stages of life. Now, that, that wouldn't surprise anyone who has uh, spent time with Jesus. Because in all aspects of how Jesus interacted with women in his generation, there is an elevating of, their, of each one's individual value and worth, oftentimes in a profound contrast to that which kind of prevailed in the culture at that time. So when we think of it this way, I think we can kind of maybe begin a little this morning to get a handle on the issue that is so real for most every mom today, and that is mega maximal, max, uh, maximum multitasking. It is multitasking to the max. It is continuously juggling a whole range of competing, not just tasks, but even competing desires and goals and issues in life. And as you reflect on it, it's among the other aspects of how the, the Word of God brings through these Proverbs a sense that wisdom is valuable to God. That wisdom is not only a gift from God, as James 1.5 tells us 
in the New Testament. Also, every chapter of Proverbs reflects the fact that wisdom is is of great value in every arena of life. Well, so if that's true, what would be a wise way for us to think about women? (laughs) Well, one of them would be to hear the very character of affirmation that I mentioned about Jesus in another passage of Scripture. I'm not going to turn to this one immediately. I'll show you something there in a minute. But in Romans chapter 16, one little cat-pull phrase of of a broader uh, theme there is that the Apostle Paul speaks of Phoebe, the delegated courier of the actual physical epistle, the actual scrolls upon which the the, the, the matchless epistle to the Romans was inscribed were entrusted to this very uh, wise woman, Phoebe, to conduct a, a courier team to get that manuscript from Paul's dwelling in Corinth all the way to the city of Rome and then to be sure that it was distributed correctly in the various congregations that were all small and large in many parts of the city of Rome. And when Paul initiated that with Phoebe, he said this, and I like this translation that Eugene Peterson renders of Romans 16.3 from the message uh, contemporary translation. I heartily endorse both her and her work. And it struck me that would be a good thing for us, a banner phrase for us to put over today's Mother's Day, but also in a broader sense over all of our lives. That in the eyes of God, there is both a celebrating and an elevating of the value of every woman's life, her gift, her uniqueness, her femininity, her her personal yearnings and aspirations, her role in life, her talents, her skills, her goals. I, I hear in that endorsement of the Apostle Paul on one whose very hands were entrusted with one of the most incredibly priceless gems of all the, of all of antiquity, the, the actual document of the epistle to the Romans for which all of us are bequeathed the understanding of the dynamic working of the power of the Holy Spirit through justification, sanctification, God's plan for Israel, God's goal for living sacrifices to be acceptable unto him, and all those other wonderful truths of Romans. I want to repeat this because I think it's worth us personalizing in the heart of every lady's life. I think it's valid to say it this way, that the voice of the Lord through this wonderful statement can apply to you today in a new way, and that is the Lord saying to you, my friend, my sister in the Lord, ladies here in Liberty Church, ladies that you may know that need encouragement. Could you hear it today? I, the Lord, heartily endorse you and your work. What a joyous thing to realize. Now, why would we want to hear something like that? Why would we, you know, why would we even need something um, of that nature to, to indelibly place in our hearts the, the, the value of femininity and the beauty 
the exquisite beauty of motherhood? Well, one, one reason is because when, when we turn to um, the Scripture and we hear the word of the Lord, there is often, for all of us, there's often a gap, an initial gap. It's part of our psychological makeup. We all do this. There's a gap between hearing what the Lord has said and then it translating over and getting settled down inside of our heart. In the very early days of computers, now this takes us way back, but <laughs> back when we were all just first fumbling around trying to learn personal computers, and you remember the DOS programs and all this, this pre-Windows, some of you were thinking, man, that guy's old. But anyway, uh, but I can remember one of the things that Becky and I, and it was one of our first word processors and stuff, and first in DOS program, and you'd be get, getting used, okay, you, you put these words on the screen, and then you press enter. <laughs> but until you press enter, it didn't go into the, into the software. Well, in a way, there's a phrase in Proverbs chapter 3 that says, then will wisdom enter your heart. <laughs> Becky and I talked about this years ago, and it was that, um, often we hear something from the Word of God, and, and, and we know it, we may even assent to it rationally. But how many of you know, for many of us, when we hear the Word of God, there's a kind of a gap between when we've heard it, we've acknowledged it, we've given assent to it, and yet we haven't yet pressed the enter button. It's on the, it's on the screen of our awareness, but the Holy Spirit is the one who presses the enter button, then wisdom will enter your heart. And that, that's what's described, by the way, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 through 12, in a section we won't divert to, but I give it to you because if you are struggling with what I'm about to talk about in this gap, I think this could be very useful to you. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7 through 12 covers the working of the Holy Spirit, bringing something that we know, we acknowledge it, but it's not affecting us yet. And it says, eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but he reveals them to us by his Spirit. So we can trust today, as we think about this, that this gap, this gap between me hearing the word of the Lord and it entering my heart is something, yes, 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 the Holy Spirit will fill it. Well, if you group these passages together here, um, a connection I see that I think is intriguing. We talked about Proverbs 31, and you may want to make note of these others. But in Luke chapter 8, there's a description of, 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 a, of three ladies, uh, Susanna, Joanna, who had a... Um, very high position apparently in um, in the um, the associates the associates that worked in the um, uh, higher parts of the Roman government, and then Mary of Mag Mary Magdalene. But the text in 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 Luke eight not only mentions Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna. It has an intriguing phrase that kind of worked its way right into my thoughts about exactly how we apply Proverbs 31. The phrase is three words, and many others. In other words, many other women, many other women, would you say many other women? Many other women that were with Joanna and Susanna and Mary Magdalene, and this, this group of ladies 
Luke 8, 3 tells us, were a part of a, an, a, a mobile contingent of ladies who had, who had tracked with the disciples group all the way down from Galilee, and, and we, we see them, we see them actively engaged in assisting and supporting and encouraging and probably often providing practical assistance like finding things that the guys were missing, hello, <laughs> which often happens, and filling those gaps and being a dynamic but very uh, humble team of associates around the Lord Jesus. And when you think of what they did for Jesus, it also calls to mind, again from Proverbs 31, that when we think about it, if your Bible is still open in Proverbs 31, look at that 17th verse once again in Proverbs 31, and think about what this text says about the value of this virtuous woman. Remember, the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31 is not one woman, but is a, a description of many aspects of the potential in various ladies' lives. Although I have to put a parenthesis here and say, I've known a few ladies who actually met almost every one of these qualifications here, and I'm grateful for their lives. But look at verse 17 of Proverbs 31. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. Now here again in the, in the work of translation, the, Eugene Peterson in the Message Contemporary Version gives this interesting rendering. And it strikes me again, it's derived from the very thing I'm talking about, which is that embedded in this passage is an intrinsic sense of the value of every woman in your life far more than you may feel because of the various pressures and discouragements and hindrances that come against you. But I want to captivate the phrase that Eugene Peterson ascribes to that verse. She senses the worth of her work. Would you say that aloud with me? She senses the worth of her work. What a beautiful thing to say about women. Lucy Shaw, who's a writer in the 1990s, wrote some very perceptive reflections on what it means to apply biblical theology to the cultural challenges of our time. And though that's a couple of decades ago, maybe more than that, when she wrote, I think that uh, she would be among many today who would be uh, uh, further illuminating this crazy cultural dynamic that we see around us. But I draw from Lucy a, a very personal, uh, really an intimate insight into a struggle she was feeling that she captured with a visual aid of having walked into St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City in the midst of a regular weekday and found a place in that magnificent structure to be alone with God. And after some time of reflection, she was journaling in that pew on a day when individuals could just come in and sit in the sanctuary. And this is part of what Lucy Shaw wrote about her personal response to the presence of God. You are here, O God, but you are also infinitely high and far away, as is true in my heart's 
sanctuary. She's looking at this cavernous and magnificent structure of the St. Patrick's Cathedral, and then she's applying it to that sanctuary of her own heart, that place where there's this gap, this gap between what I know of you, Lord, and what's happening in my, the circumference in which I operate. So she said, I need and want you, and, and I'm ready, but not ready. I'm ashamed to meet you, shrinking from your righteousness under my human roof of failure. Now, Lucy, at this point, obvious from her writings, was passionately following hard after the Lord, as Psalm 63 says. She was, she was yearning to be with him. She wanted the meaning of, of the gift in her life as a writer to be translated into effective ministry that would lift the hearts of the saints and would equip others for ministry for the glory of God. But she was acutely feeling the gap. How many moms find themselves at some point or another acutely feeling the gap and need to hear that Proverbs 31.17 says she strengthens her hands for the task. And then this paraphrase again, she senses the worth of her work, echoing or predating what the Apostle Paul said of Phoebe. I endorse Phoebe's person and her work. So when we think of it this way, then it kind of also accents why this, uh, why this Proverb 31 section provides such a diversity of insights into the potential in women's lives because it really brings us a vast diversity of gifts in ladies' lives that can bring order, initiative, beauty, and creativity into every arena of life. <laughs> well, sometimes that presents us with very difficult choices. Sometimes we find ourselves on the threshold of a place that we didn't expect to be where courage is required of us, where tenacity is required of us, where forgiveness is required of us, where endurance is required of us, where sometimes a different kind of assertiveness is required of us as well. So when we think of it this way, I think in Proverbs 31, that these 20 different examples that flow through the text from verse 11 all the way down to verse 28, that they can kind of crystallize for us what it means. If we ask the first question again, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. The answer we can bring from this time together for you, for your wife, for your sister, for your mom, for your daughter, your granddaughter, is we found you. The Lord found you. Yeah, he found you. Not some imaginary person, not some fictional character, not, not some idealized woman who has the perfect blend, not only of her wardrobe maybe, but her characteristics. 
No, no, the Lord is looking to you, mom, grandmom, sister, friend, and he's saying, we found you. And you say, how do you know that? <laughs> how could that be? How could it be me? How could I be the one? That, that the Lord is saying, I endorse her and her work. Well, the answer, of course, is in the glory of God's gift through Christ Jesus. That Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 puts together a package of how this redemptive grace of God for every believer, for a woman who may not even know where she is spiritually and wants to get that settled once and for all in her heart, and that is for by grace, God's unmerited favor being displayed in Christ, for by grace you are saved. A deliverance out of the, out of the prison of sinful tendencies that are twisting those good qualities in such a way that you're not free to be who you really are. For by grace are you saved through faith. And this salvation that comes through faith is not something that could ever originate in you. It's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And then that 10th verse of Ephesians 2 tells it like this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for deeds of service which he's prepared in advance for us to do. So if we ask that question and we say, how could it be me? How do I know? There is a way, friends, that the Lord, you could hear the word of the Lord today, and you could hear the Holy Spirit pressing enter into your heart. That many women have done excellently, Proverbs 31 says, but you surpass them all. I, I sometimes get on a kick of, saying some exaggerated things to Becky, and she, we laugh about it, because I'll tell her how magnificent she is, how beautiful she is. I'll, I'll say, and then she'll say, okay, that's enough, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's enough, and, and, and uh, she doesn't like hyperbole. Well, I don't think any women do, do you? You want genuine understanding, right? And I'm thinking about this in light of how beautifully Proverbs 31 ends. It's like a, a license to do what I do with her, and that is, honey, many women have done fabulously, but you surpass them all. Can I give you a little tip? Ladies, the next time he says something to you like that, just believe him. Just accept it, okay? Just say, okay, I know, it's true. And of course, above all, the, 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 thing, that, the thing that we celebrate when we think about these various qualities and capacities of women is that ultimately... What we celebrate and elevate today is, is the greatest of all experiences on planet Earth. And that is the giving of life, the bringing to life of these little ones. In fact, again, a paraphrase of Psalm 139 puts it like this. And I'm going to ask you as we close today to read this because it applies to us in loving and honoring our moms. I often say on birthdays, that um, it's wonderful to realize that it's the mom who did all the labor and also to celebrate the beautiful gift that is so, in so many ways, has been demeaned and is under assault in our culture today. Would you read aloud with me um, this wonderful paraphrase from Psalm 139? This 
is too much, too wonderful. I can't take it all in. Oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I thank you, O oh God, you're breathtaking. He is breathtaking. And the journey, the, the, the part of the journey that you play, mom, grandmom, great-grandmother, young mom, older mom, the part that you play is still a magnificent example of the creative splendor of Almighty God. Can we pray together? Lord, I ask you today for moms here, moms of these little ones, any expectant mom that might hear my voice, moms of sons and daughters, grandsons, great-grandchildren, those of us who walk alongside a friend, my, my wonderful spiritual mother that I spoke of earlier, Marguerite Crockett, other friends that we know in their various stages of their parental journey. Lord, bring to this, every lady's heart here, this awareness of the word of the Lord saying, I endorse you and your work. And Lord, I pray for anyone here hearing my voice who for any reason, any situation, doesn't have a solid assurance of knowing that that mighty redeeming grace is has made it clear I'm a new creation in Christ, that we can share the simplicity and glory of what it means to say yes to Jesus, to receive all that you have for us, and to walk, to walk in that freedom of forgiveness of knowing in Christ, my old nature has been nailed to the cross, and in his risen power, I arise to walk with him and like the lady in Proverbs 31, to laugh at the days to come because God is good and he's developing in our hearts and lives the vision for a future that honors him every day of our lives with expectant faith. In Jesus' name, amen.